Hi, I'm Tom Marks with the Marks Law Firm in Orlando, Florida, and welcome to the Healthy Family Law Attorney. Today, we have a special guest with us, Rania Arwani with the Arwani Law Firm. So I love, uh, Rania, what you say here. You are a mother, a wife, a family law attorney, business owner, women's rights advocate, and philanthropist. So I love it that you're a mother first. That's great. You got your bachelor's or she got her bachelor's in finance uh, in Texas. She attended Barry uh, University School of Law. Uh, She was a research assistant at Barry University School of Law and a certified legal intern for the Children and Families Clinic. She's uh, trained with the Florida Center for uh, Child Welfare. She's very involved in the fight against domestic violence. Welcome aboard, Rania. Oh, my God. Thank you. What an introduction, (laughs) Tom. You've done a lot. That's only a small fraction of your uh, bio. So um, thank you. you. So let's talk. Okay. Um, This is a healthy family law attorney. And uh, because I believe families matter, we want to provide hope and help to families to successfully navigate the family law process in a healthy way. I know you are in alignment with that. You want to do things to help your clients, to provide hope to them. And so one of the things we're going to talk today about is misconceptions clients may have about the family law process. And so that... um, first misconception is that a bulldog attorney is going to be the best attorney for them. Why is that a misconception? Well, from my point of view, it's a, it's for, to begin with, it's a very costly process. Going to court, going, going to trial is extremely expensive. So a bulldog attorney who is not going to compromise, which means you're not going to reach a settlement, which means you're going to end up going to court cost with paying a lot of money, attorney fees, what have you, maybe you need, maybe, you know, the parties are going to need financial experts. It gets extremely expensive when you have a bulldog attorney who is not willing to compromise. Because the way I see it, a bulldog attorney is not going to compromise. Very true. Very true. And I'm going to say, too, that judges really know the attorneys. They come in, uh, we come in before the judges all the time. Uh, you gain a reputation with the judge. So if you're like just one of these bulldog attorneys that are just always arguing, regardless whether it's a valid argument or uh, a good case or not, um, there's a saying that uh, I've heard judges say. So if you have the law on your facts, you pound the law. If you have the um, yeah, if you have the law on your side, you pound the law. If you have the facts on your side, you pound the facts. And if you have neither, you pound the table. <laughs> so that's what um, sometimes those uh, attorneys do. Um, so it's not necessarily the best way to uh, go about it, right? With a bulldog attorney, yeah, you know, yeah. it may air your dirty laundry more than you want and things like and that. Then, and then think of it this way. When you air your dirty laundry... Husband hates wife, mother hates dad, dad hates, you know, the the parties will hate each other. And there is no way that this, that this animosity and the dislike and hatred toward each other is not going to affect the children. It will. No matter what they do, the kids will feel it. So it affects the family as a whole, let alone, you know, um, as we said, they end up with less money in their pocket, which, in my opinion, there are ways to settle all issues. Some issues, maybe not, but most issues should be settled. 
Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Okay, let's talk about uh, maybe misconception number two, that the court's going to have a presumption that the starting point is a 50-50 split of time sharing or custody in every family law case. True or false? True. I'm kidding. False. False, false, false. <laughs> okay. No, no, I'm kidding. You're not kidding. Um, no, we follow what we call the best interest standard. There are factors A to T, and the court must go through these factors, and it is not 50-50. The court, the way I, you know, they, they, mom and dad will start at equal footing, unless there is a reason, you know, someone is negligent, there is domestic violence, whatever those factors, if they don't align with that parent, then it will, you know, it will be, it will affect the turn out of the custody. Um, or the time sharing schedule, parenting plan, what have you. Um, so yeah, it's not 50-50, but I think they started, I believe they started at, at an equal footing. Right. Yeah, you know, I think um, some judges may secretly kind of think 50-50 uh, is a starting point. They would never say that because that's not what the actual law is. And as uh, you and I know, the legislature uh, actually passed a, a statute um, or a bill, I should say, mm -hmm. that made 50-50 uh, the presumptive um, time-sharing starting point. But uh, the governor back then, uh, Governor Scott, uh, vetoed that. So it, it, the law is, as you said, uh, Florida Statute 61.13 sub A, I'm sorry, sub 3, A through T, are the 20 factors that the court has to consider in determining what the time-sharing arrangement's going to be, right? Definitely. Weren't you scared when that um, bill went? And the, weren't you so happy that the governor struck it down, that bill? We, I was so terrified. Yeah, I mean... The <laughs> presumption, you know, I, I think it's an awful... Yeah, so, <laughs> that, so that's clear now. That's not the presumption uh, under the law in Florida. Okay, our third and final misconception... Clients sometimes think that they're going to be able to walk into court and just tell their story without any interruptions, without any, you know, restrictions, and that the judge is going to hear their story, see it their way, and rule in their favor. Um, what do you think? No, I, it would be nice. No, it's not going to happen. <laughs> right. We have the rules of evidence. We have limited time to start with. You know, you get, if it's a, you know, you sometimes get a full day hearing or a full day trial. That means half a day for, you know, mom, half a day for dad, husband, wife, whichever. And you have to, you know, you have to kind of put on the evidence for the children, for the, you know, for the asset and the liabilities. I mean, you only have so much time. You put the client and have the client kind of try to tell their story. First of all, it's wasting the time and the judge will immediately think, how is this relevant to the case? Is this going to make me change my mind if you tell me your story? Get to the point. Let's just, you know, see what we need to, you know, rule on. Um, so they cannot. It's very difficult. And like I said, when it comes to evidence, you know, that you can stop whoever's on the stand from, you know, hearsay, you know, bringing evidence that actually cannot come in as evidence or a document or what have you. So, yeah, right. the story is extremely difficult. <laughs> right, absolutely. I think that's so true. I mean, it's hard to ever get as much time with the court as you'd like 
because you go to these pre-trial conferences and the judge says, well, that's all the time I have. And so you got to fit your case into that. And then you've got to be constrained by the rules of evidence. And then the judge is supposed to make some great wise decision like um, Solomon. So it's a really difficult uh, situation. Uh, litigation is hard. That's why um, both Rania and I uh, practice collaborative law and the parties get to be so much more involved in the process and you don't have anybody rushing you and your goals are set out there and you can work it out collaboratively, right? Definitely. I think that is the way to go. Yeah. So, okay. What is the best way in your mind to approach a family law case? Um, from my perspective, I think, you know, when husband and wife or wife walks into your office, uh, I want to get a divorce. Da, 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 I think the best, the first thing an attorney should do is see or explore. Is there anything this attorney can do to help the couple get back together? If there is a way, a chance to fix the relationship, especially if there are kids. Um, and that's something that I explore or, you know, discuss with the clients quite a bit and see if, if there is a chance, then definitely they have to kind of, you know, try to get back together, especially, like I said, if there are children. Um, what do you think, Tom? How do you, what, what are your thoughts on that issue? Well, you know, one of the things I like is um, uh, something I learned in Stephen Covey's book, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, and that is to seek first to understand and then to be understood. And so, you know, we're highly trained, uh, experienced lawyers. A lot of lawyers want to just start telling the client what they think should happen in the case. But I think we should listen to the client first, seek first to understand what the client wants to try to accomplish. It may be completely different than what you were thinking. So I like to really listen to the client first. And get their goals. What, is your, what are your goals in this? The solution, what, is, what are something you are willing to compromise on? And you know, what, what, what issues are you absolutely not willing to compromise on? And then if you, know, you have a discussion with the client and figure out if it's an issue that should be compromised on, then at that point, you know, you should have a, you know, we have discussions with the clients, explain to them, you know, good decision, bad decision, what have you. And of course, like you, I want to explore the possibility of reconciliation because, well, you and I know that it may be about 50% of first marriages end in divorce, but it's 62 or 3% of second marriages. It's in the 70 mid seventies of third marriages. And it's like 90% of fourth marriages and in divorce. So it's not that it's greener on the other side of the hill. So if the parties are willing to do something different change, like, right, not avoid uh, Einstein's theory of insanity, doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. Uh, if they want to do it differently and reconcile and not be put back into a situation of like where there's domestic violence or something we don't want that but if it's safe and they're willing to make uh work on it both sides and make those changes yeah that's great too yeah we have amazing you know mental health counselors they can go to counseling marriage counselor to help them you know see if they can fix the issue if there is something to be fixed right so okay let's circle back to collaborative what do you think are the primary benefits of collaborative over a litigation case in family law? What the first thing is, 
the stranger in the black robe is not making that decision for you. You are coming to a decision with your partner on how this divorce, how you're going to you know, divide your assets, how this parenting plan is going to look like. You're not showing up and a stranger with limited time making a decision that's going to affect you for the rest of your life or until your kids are adults or what have you. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and I think the two that if the parties, husband and wife, you know, the couple um, come to reach a decision themselves, you know, in a collaborative way together, they're much more likely to both commit to that, adhere to it and uh, stay with that decision. Sometimes if a judge or somebody imposes uh, a decision on them, they're going to do everything they can to fight against it and maybe be back in court, unfortunately, or something like that. So that's another benefit. They reach the decision in a collaborative way. Okay. What are, um, nothing's perfect. Nope. So collaborative is not perfect. What are some of the objections you've heard to collaborative? The main one where it uh, really kind of turns the clients or, you know, potential people who are going, you know, through a divorce or thinking about it is the fact that they lose their attorney. That is one thing that shuts down the whole thing in front of them. And to me, yes, it's not a great thing, but it is a reason to maybe encourage the other party to settle, to reach an agreement. Because at that point, you're kind of losing your attorney, the person you trust. You have to fight someone else and you're starting from zero. Not only did you waste time, and money. Now you have to find another attorney, to, you know, to go through the traditional process. So right. I think even though it's a, a hard pill to swallow, I think it will encourage both parties to, you know, think hard before they exit the process. Right. And the reason for that is the uh, the rules around collaborative are that if the collaborative case does fail, which is rare, honestly. Um, the attorneys cannot continue on to the litigation case. And the reasoning behind that is so that no attorney has any, doesn't benefit from the collaborative failing. They're fully invested in getting it done and helping the parties resolve it. You know, another uh, objection I hear sometimes is, well, it's expensive because you've got, you know, the two attorneys, but then you also add in the two uh, neutrals. You have a mental health neutral and a financial neutral. Um, the reality is if you and your spouse can resolve it without any litigation and go straight into maybe a mediation and get it done in a one-time mediation, that would be less. But collaborative is far less than a full-blown litigation case. Don't you agree? Oh, 100%. And think of it this way. It's a team. You are a team working, a team of professionals are working with the parties to help them get to a place where both of them are happy. Even in mediation, you're still, you know, opposing counsel and counsel, you know, petitioner and respondent. In the, in the collaborative process, we're not that. You're not opposing counsel. We are a team. You are Tom. I am Rania. We don't, it's not, it's a, it's a really easy process and it's not that contentious. So it just... Even though it's um, like like you said, even though that the attorney may they have to leave, but the process itself, I think, will eventually help the parties uh, reach an agreement. 
Right. And it's it's done in such a more healthy way than in the litigation process. And of course, this is the healthy family law attorney. And so I always ask my guest, do you have a healthy tip for our uh, viewers today? Meditation. <laughs> Meditation. OK. It was difficult to get into because, I mean, as an attorney, Tom, you know, your brain never stops. You're just thinking motions, da -da -da, whatever, you know, so many things. It took a while for me to kind of slow down and just enjoy the silence. <laughs> Very true. Very true. And, and meditation, um, you know, can take on different forms, like me working in the yard and just being out in nature and having time to reflect and to meditate, or it could be meditation on scripture, whatever um, is, you know, best for you. I totally agree. So, um, I want to thank you, Rania, for being on the channel today. Um, if our viewers have enjoyed this, I would love it if you would subscribe to the channel, hit that like button, um, hit that bell icon, leave a comment if uh, you really enjoyed hearing uh, from Rania and or if you would like to hear us talk about another topic or anything that we've said today that um, raise any questions for you, let us know. And Rania, thank you again for being on the channel. Thank you so much for inviting me, Tom. Okay. And we will see our viewers next time. Thanks so much. Bye-bye.